1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this brand new spoiler review episode of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, brought to you live from the Geek, Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! hey. 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 well, hey. well, after 10 years at the beginning of uh, starting with the, uh, uh, man of steel in 2013 we have finally reached the end of the dceu as uh, we look forward to superman legacy coming out in 2025 or so we think i mean depending on if universal buys uh, warner brothers or not but yeah at this point this is the end of the dceu officially aquaman and the lost kingdom although they haven't officially said he's going to play lobo it's pretty clear that Momoa is moving on to play Lobo. So this was his last stab at playing Aquaman. Uh, this uh, also saw the return of James Wan, the return of a number of actors who were part of the first one, and some new additions and an interesting story for us to break it all down. But we are here with a spoiler review, spoiler review of Aquaman and Lost Kingdom. And uh, before we jump into it, though, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Rocha, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies.
2: I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows
3: and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer and an unapologetic Aquaman fan.
1: The character or the series?
3: We'll get to it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> fair point fair point and since we are live ladies and gentlemen the stream labs and the super chats are open feel free to send in your super chats or stream labs to support the channel as we go along here if you want to send in support after we're done you're watching this later there's a super thanks button down there you can hit as well uh, i am wearing the official superman and uh uh, what is it, man? the Lost Kingdom, uh, paraphernalia Aquaman and the, sp- the Lost Kingdom. Oh, sorry, Aquaman <laughs> and the Lost Kingdom. I don't know. You get one hero, you get them all. Um, but yeah, they sent <laughs> me this nice jacket, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be so positive about the movie. Spoiler alert, but I am going to wear the jacket to support them sending this <laughs> thing. So, yeah, go ahead. Nice- I didn't like your movie, but I'll wear your merch. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point and you know it's an evening uh, evening review so we're gonna have some fun for sure but let's get into it uh michael you know i love to go to your first here here's the quick synopsis arthur curry is the king of atlantis and a husband and a dad but it's the king stuff that's driving him insane uh, then we get the lingering threat of Black Manta, who still wants vengeance for the death of his dad. He steals his son, who apparently can already communicate with the fishes, uh, and which leads to Aquaman, with the um, uh, approval of Atlanta, teaming up with Brother Orm uh, to go and uh, take down Black Manta and this weird king from the seventh, the missing seventh kingdom here. Um, uh and yes and there's a and uh, randall park is back uh and uh, uh shenanigans ensue they basically rip off thor and loki and we get to the end here and uh whoo I'm, I'm aquaman so uh michael your thoughts uh on this movie here
2: my my first thought is of all of the synopses you've ever done on geek buddies that yeah. might be one of your best that well, was you. uh that was uh spicy It was a spicy synopsis. Um, What did I think of Aquaman 2? I, there's two things that pop into mind is like my overall thoughts of Aquaman 2. One is, even more so than Aquaman 1, I actually think they had a lot of really good ideas. I think there was a lot of cool ideas in this movie. I think some of the ideas for the set pieces were cool. uh, Wanting to tell this brother buddy story. I think there was a lot of really good ideas. Don't think any of them were particularly executed well. Mm. Uh, And it almost kind of felt, and I don't know if this is a little bit of just knowing where we are in the DC universe, it just kind of felt like they gave up a little bit somewhere in there. Mm. Like, they were just making the movie and they were doing the reshoots, but it it just felt as aimless as the DCEU was like it just kind of felt like they were they're were trying to tell this big and epic story and and have a lot of fun but it just didn't seem like it had the energy to get there by the end like it just kind of felt a little bit of a slog um but and I, and I and I think that Jason Momoa who as we've said you know not my particularly favorite not my particularly favorite take of Aquaman and I'm not mm. the hugest fan of the DC universe that we've had um but i thought he was generally pretty charming i think he was charming in justice league i think it was charming every time he showed up and i think this was kind of his least charming it felt forced it even felt from him that it was like he kind of knew it was coming to an end and even his like hey i'm just having a good time i'm aquaman i'm not a good king but i'm just kind of having a good like it just it felt like he was pushing it so look do i think this is like the worst movie ever made no i can list a bunch of other movies that are way worse. Uh we'll talk about that, are that are currently that are currently out right now. But for yeah, Aquaman, yeah. it just kinda just felt like it was trudging to the end. Okay.
1: All right. Shannon, your thoughts overall on this one? We had James Wan coming back to direct this one. Same screenwriter, David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick coming back to write this one as well. But this one was based on a story co-conceived uh, by James Wan, Jason Momoa, and Thomas Pa'a Sibet. So what are your thoughts on uh, on this particular movie, brother? So, more than likely over the course of this evening, you all are gonna throw
3: out some critical feedback of this film. And more than likely, I am not going to disagree with one thing that you say. That being That's said, being said. <laughs> <laughs> however, <Wow. laughs> um, I actually had a lot of fun in this movie. I mean, wow. this is not, I don't think this is a good movie. Um, I think this this is definitely going to fall in the category of guilty pleasures. Mm -hmm. Not only will I probably see it again in the theater, I probably buy it. One, because it's an Aquaman movie and Mm -hmm. Lord knows when we're going to get another Aquaman movie. Um, I actually had a lot of fun. I mean, looking at the four DC films that we got. This is right up there with Blue Beetle for me. I mean, I think a lot of the action... I think James Wan learned a lot of lessons from the first one. I think hmm. every action sequence in the first film started the same with the unexpected explosion. Um, And so much so that Jason Momoa actually references it for a moment in in one of the action scenes because they only did it once, which is like, yeah, that's growth. However... (laughs) There is a whole lot going on in that script. Yeah. Um, and to the point that it's like, individually, all of these are pretty interesting ideas. Um, I think you're trying, to, you're trying to put too much stuff together that yeah. doesn't necessarily quite fit. Um, and, and I do agree with my, uh, my fellow geek buddy, Mike Vogel. I mean, I do think there are, there are limits to Jason Momoa's charm um mm-hmm. that it was a little it it felt like he was kind of running out of gas at the end. Yeah. Um I will say the the savior of this movie was Patrick Wilson. 100%. Um and I 100% will take a road trip movie with Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson over a road trip movie with Jason Momoa and Amber Heard. Um I think this one I think this is where this one really really succeeded. Um Patrick Wilson just did he was doing the Lord's work in this movie. I mean, he was, he, he was doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like by the end, like I thought that I thought the tag was, was dumb and unnecessary. Um, but the moment at the end where he's taking a bite of that burger, I'm like, that's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this is going to be guilty pleasure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think a lot of the action worked well. Um, and I think there was a lot of stuff. That didn't work well, but I, Vogel was sitting next to me. I was laughing, having a
1: blast. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, I saw this in 3D at, uh, you know, the press screening that they had for us down here, and I have to say this. It was nowhere near as offensively boring as the first movie was. Like, the first movie, I had my eyes rolling so far out of my head, I, I almost died. It was so, just nonsense. Utter nonsense, and I think... The biggest thing was that I really felt no one was good acting-wise uh, in that first movie other than Nicole Kidman, who giving certain moments to really show what she could do. The bro stuff, I thought, worked funnily as a juxtaposition to Batman, Ben Affleck's Batman, in Justice League. I didn't like it necessarily in its own film. And I also think James Wan combining this horror element with comedy and then trying to also have these stakes, it just is, it's just a confusing mishmash of tones for me. But that did continue into the second one, unfortunately, for me as well. I thought the mishmash of tones just didn't work for me at all. And there are people clearly who enjoyed the movie or trying to tell you they enjoyed the movie on social media. But I thought it was an utter mess from beginning to end. Now, that being said, this may not be James Wan's fault. I think what you were referencing earlier, Michael, a lot of great ideas But remember, they had multiple reshoots from this film. There were rumors of certain cameos showing up and then reshooting those cameos. And so I wonder what the actual original cut of this movie was going to be, and maybe that would have been a better film or at least would have gotten the people who loved the first Aquaman film to love this film as much as they Mm -hmm. did. Because, yeah, the road buddy comedy type aspect of it, which is what James Wan teased, the chemistry between Momoa and Wilson Off the charts. And Wilson, you know what? There are certain players, and I'm sports reference, there are certain players that will uplift whoever they play with, right? Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Patrick Wilson will take the limited acting talent of Jason Momoa and elevate it. And you could see here in their interactions (coughs) did the script do him any favors? Most of the time, no. I didn't think the humor worked most of the time between them. I saw it already when it was called Thor and Loki, where it worked much better. But in this one, I felt there were moments here where at least their chemistry got me through some of the rougher jokes and stupid situations. Oh, look, I, knocked, I accidentally knocked down a statue. We could climb across it. I'm so smart. You know, those kinds of things that just get annoying watching a frat boy bro figuring everything out instead of learning, instead of growing, which we never got from, him. you know, the arc, you know, um, ironically, the arc is Orms, not um, Aquaman's in any way, shape or form. And I also thought the Black Manta stuff was so ridiculous. Like, why? Oh, there's a Phantom King, and I'm being taken over by this Phantom King because I want vengeance, and I can't control myself. Here's this doctor who keeps walking in on me while I do this shit, but for some reason, I still keep him alive. I'll still keep him alive for no. And did anyone know that that was Stingray? No one knew that was Stingray, and they tried to make uh, it was a Janie Zhao. They tried to make her really big, and you never even saw anyone address her by her name. So one time. It, one time you're right exactly one time So it's just there was just utterly ridiculous decisions made overall in the film but i i want to believe that this is because it just was so cut up that by the time we got it Mm -hmm. it's not that great so yeah i i want to believe that i may be wrong michael it's a fair point to bring up the the noise you just made, I could possibly be wrong.
2: It. I don't know what I don't know what noise you're referring to, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but let me ask you about this. I mean, what Shannon, as, as the uh, purported Aquaman fan for sure, Arthur's storyline, did you like this? The fact that he was bored, I mean, he didn't want to be king necessarily in the first movie. He this was kind of thrust upon him because of Orm and because like his heritage and Mara helped him. But now, being king, you see that he's not happy being king. He loves being a dad. Certainly nice chemistry with his son there. Loves hanging out with his dad as well. There's a weird toast between them where they go here to single dads, and it's like, wait, are you a single
3: dad
2: Mara's still His with wife's in the next room. He's <laughs> here right here. Here's about? a single dad. Hold on. The old lady's taking care of the kids so we can have these drinks. <laughs> yeah,
1: it feels, like, it feels like Thomas is taking care of their kid more than Mara is. But, yeah, he's a a dad, a husband, and a hero as well. So we see all this stuff. We get politics, councils, all this stuff. And then it leads to this uh, uh, journey here with Orm and then eventually beating Manta uh, and going toe-to-toe with him and Manta rejecting his hand in the end. But then him coming out of this thing, a dad, a husband, a king, with a better relationship with Orm. Did you like this storyline with Arthur, with Aquaman? What did you think of it?
3: I mean, I thought on paper – On paper, that stuff all works, that you have someone who has unexpectedly been been given the throne, been given the crown, been given this responsibility, and he finds out, like... This this is really not that great, and and I have to deal with this council, which you know magically appeared um, since the first movie. Um, You know, it's like Congress, like it's like the Senate. (laughs) And there's nothing more you
1: want to see in a superhero film than Senate or Congress or yeah, absolutely paging Star Wars Episode
3: One. (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. uh, But look, I I think everything on paper, all that stuff works. Mm -hmm. Um, It just wasn't executed that that interestingly. because the idea that you have this sort of, you know, this guy who's always kind of been a wanderer. Now he has to stay in one place. The whole journey is figuring out how to do, how to do both, how to, how to be a good leader, be a good King, be a good dad. And at the same time, you know, uh, 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 serve this, you know, kind of restless spirit, this restless spirit, probably isn't the right word. The, the, the wanderer, like the fact that he's never had anything tying him down. Um, I think there was probably a way to do it. I don't know if they necessarily found it. Yeah. Um, But overall, like his story, it, it didn't, it didn't really, uh, the writing did not bother me. I mean, it was, again, the moment there, there are advantages to going in to a film with your bar set. Absolutely. At the rock bottom, (laughs) at, (laughs) at the bottom of the Mariana's trench. Um because i was able to go in and be like whatever they threw at me i'm kind of like yeah great yep sure makes sense makes sense well they're fighting um so yeah. it did not it did not bother me at all
1: okay uh michael your thoughts on the storyline because i mean in essence they're kind of following the black panther storyline mixed in with the thor storyline mixed in with the iron man storyline right he wants to make atlantis and all the king all the uh, kingdoms there uh, wants to bring them up to the surface, wants to reveal themselves to the humans so they can work together. The council rejects that idea. They just want to take over humanity when the time comes. Then you've got this uh back and forth with him and his brother going on this journey, uh, his little brother, no less, and him trying to kind of figure out and repair that relationship. And at the end, he announces that he's Iron Man or Aquaman, is in essence in that press conference at the end. So did you like the storylines here did you like that they he had to overcome this stuff deal with being a king deal with being a a a dad and a hero and all of this did it work for you
2: no but let me tell you why (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um as a concept yes like Aquaman getting to Aquaman 2 and going "Fuck, I'm not good at being a king yeah great that's that is the next big story. He realizes maybe this is a little bit more than he's uh, signed up for. Absolutely a great story. Here's the problem. He's not a great king. Yeah, fair. Orm is better. Yeah. Mira's probably better. Like anyone's better. I mean, like I know you guys were saying the last thing we want in a movie is uh, superhero movies politics. but when you're going to do a movie that says, the guy's core issue is he can't lead, yeah. but then you never really expand upon that. Like to use Black Panther as an example, um it's a very clear-cut thing he deals with and like each character sort of represents it. Like yeah. um Nakia wants to uh use Wakanda's resources to help other people, uh you know, um her, his best friend, I can't remember his name right now, um, doesn't want them to right. go anywhere. His father had his and – like, and then Killmonger has a very specific opinion, and T'Challa sort of learns from each character in the movie to come to his decision. Yeah. So there's a very clear thing. Thor, who also is arguably a character that probably isn't cut out to be a king, gets to the end of Endgame and says, hey – I think I'm not cut out to be a king. Valkyrie, it's yours. So you're like, yeah, that makes sense, that track. So when you're doing a movie like this, like, what is it? Like, yes, you get to the end and he does announce Atlantis to the world, which is what he wanted to do. But you didn't get a sense that he learned from Orm, that he adopted, any, or that he said, this is the kind of king that I want to be. He still is like, yeah, man, let's just go have some burgers and beer. I want to hang out. And he never really got to a better place. Then the whole Iron Man moment at the end just left me scratching my head. Cause I'm like, doesn't the world know you're Aquaman? You've yeah. been around for three movies. Yeah. Like you, I'm not, but, and, and I know that like they, they sort of purposely were like, we're not even dealing with the extended universe with this movie. We're just going to tell this story. But this is where the non-extended extended universe, you're like, he's making this giant announcement. And I'm like, you've been around for a minute. Like I'm what, i just it kind of left a little bit of a head scratcher i was like i was like i guess if this had been really a clear-cut thing again like it was in black Mm -hmm. panther with wakanda or even like at the end of iron man when robert downey jr just announced it instead of keeping a secret identity that was a big deal but for this one you're just kind of like okay so i just feel like they had a good idea but almost because patrick wilson did such a good job and was so much better in this movie than the first movie yeah um you kind of get to the end and you're like look i know he was the bad guy in the first movie but he seems like a pretty decent guy it might be better for atlantis to let this guy lead go let go let aquaman raise his kid right you know by the end of black panther
1: you're like okay killmonger i don't want him to be in charge but i respect why he did what he did because it was the heritage and the culture and decades of all of that but with with uh with orm by the end you're like you know what? He's learned the lesson. I kind of want him to be king. Arthur, why don't you step aside? Which is the way I felt in the first movie. Mara was figuring everything out before Arthur did. Why is Mara not the chosen person to lead? It's the Harry Potter issue. Hermione is clearly yeah. a better wizard than Harry. Why the fuck do we care that Harry's figuring things out? So it just it's confusing to me when I see those kinds of things. I'm not supposed to cheer for the villain by the end of the movie over the hero. It's
2: confusing. Michael, what were you saying? No, I was just going to agree with you about Killmonger. I mean, the other thing with Killmonger is you clearly see that he's a bad king. Like, he leaves and you're like, you're bad. Now, granted, you could argue Orm was a bad king too, but why was Orm such a bad guy? Because he wanted to invade the human world. Right, right. What does the entire council (laughs) want to do? <laughs> Rick, I kinda wanna do it Orm. Like, so right. you're just sort of like, what you know, and and then like when Orm shows up in this movie, they go, they go to such lengths to make him like, he's like, this is how you address people, this is how you do stuff. Like I need, you, and you're just like, and because the way that they have decided to write uh Arthur yeah. is kind of so broy, think first, just like beat everybody up, you're like okay, that's what you're going to do. But then at no point do we have that switch. Like you get to the end and Orm's like, you are a great King. You did learn a lot. And you're like, I mean, no, he just kind of did what he did. Like,
1: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's a little frustrating. I agree with you. Cause I mean, yeah, anyway, I don't want to get too deep into it. All right. uh, Let's go back to you, Michael. We've talked about Patrick Wilson. What do you think about how they handled Orm in the movie? I mean, we see him in the prison, Super emaciated, he is willingly being in, uh, staying in the prison in order to keep the peace in the Seven Kingdoms. And uh, it is until he touches water that he finds his strength, gets his muscles, kicks a bunch of ass, and then agrees to go with uh, with um, Arthur because Atlantis is in trouble. Uh, and we see him like grow in his conversations. We see him grow in his stature with Arthur, but we also see him learning as he goes along that Arthur actually wasn't didn't have the same mentality as Orm did like Arthur really stumbled into this and he was only doing this because Orm wanted to destroy the humans. And Orm's like, wait, you didn't want to take over. Like you didn't want to be the King of Atlanta. So they we see him slowly, but surely kind of understanding that he wasn't as selfish as Orm was. He wasn't as desirous of this kind of power in order to inflict his own ideas onto Atlanteans. And that turns him around. So by the end, the bro stuff, which had bothered him at the beginning, is no longer bothersome, and like you said, he gives him his flowers or gives him his blessing to be king, which is a weird thing. Well, what did you think about how they handled Patrick Wilson's character of Orm and Wilson's performance?
2: I think you know. I think this happens sometimes uh, where you can see that a writer really likes a character, yeah, and writes them really well, but almost so well that it like defeats the purpose of the movie. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what happened here. Is that I-, I think that look, I think that for better or for worse. It, it feels like the entire, behind the scenes, they kind of know what Jason Momoa's strengths are and what his limits are. Right. And they wrote to that. And then you're like, okay, clearly he and Amber Heard did not have that on-screen chemistry. Mm-hmm. So let's put him with Patrick Wilson. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, shit, our shiny new toy, Patrick Wilson, he, he's got all the bells and whistles. He's, yeah. the, he's the better toy. So they wrote to that. um, but you So you ended up having a character, like, you know, that didn't there was no flaws like Loki is charming as hell arguably Tom Hiddleston's Loki is more charming than Chris Hemsworth's Thor and that's a tough thing to do because Chris Hemsworth is very charming yeah but we love Loki but we also get who Loki is and we've seen Loki grow in his series but within the terms of those Thor movies Loki was great and we loved him but we also knew that Loki was always going to go for Loki at the end Loki Mm -hmm. was not the honorable guy that really wanted to be king Killmonger had a very specific idea of what he wanted to do and it yeah. ultimately wasn't going to be good for anybody. Orm's idea of leading seems pretty solid. Yeah. So they didn't really give him any of those flaws that said, oh, this is why Arthur's the better king. Right. You know, and like, and 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 there's ways that you probably could have kept the character that you had and sort of built that in, but they needed that extra piece. And in addition to him just going, oh wow, Arthur It almost feels like that's it's around that area. Like mm. Oh, Orm was raised to be a conniving guy who craved power. Right. Arthur didn't want power. Had it thrust upon him, still doesn't particularly want it. And there's that whole idea that the one who wants the crown the least is ultimately the one that deserves it the most. You know, there's that there's that idea a lot of times in storytelling that had we seen Arthur... We needed to see what makes Arthur the rightful king over yeah. Orm and we needed Orm to see it too and they they wrote to that at the end like they had Orm say those words yeah. but we never really saw what it was so I actually think the way they handled Orm was great insofar as he's probably the best character in the movie yeah. but not great in terms of what it did to Arthur and his story yeah, it's interesting,
1: Shannon, because like, and Michael, you bring up a really excellent point. As you said this, I remembered the scene where Orm is saying to Arthur, my father raised me from birth to be afraid of you, to be waiting for you to show up to try to take something from me that's mine. Whereas Arthur's father raised him, Thomas raised him to like really appreciate that he's a man of both worlds to find his own path to do his own thing. Uh, and let him, of course, do the things that he did and be a bit of a wild guy but very much have his own voice. So you see that like sometimes it is about environment and what you're raised around that kind of warps your mind or makes you think or certain things or makes you act a certain way in certain situations. So we see that, but that's not even explored. It's just presented and not really kind of dove into, which could be some interesting stuff that we could have gotten. Shannon, what did you think about how they wrote Orm uh, throughout this movie and the relationship he had with Arthur and then by the end, giving Arthur um, his blessings and reuniting with his mom and even giving Mara some love.
3: I mean, the whole idea that he felt that, you know, that there was a, that, that moment like, Hey, you know what? You're, you're a lot better this than you think, you know, you, you have my blessing to go be king. It's like, well, it doesn't matter what you think, pal. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, I mean, yeah. I, I've mean, i already got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I do agree with Vogel in terms of finding those supporting characters um not just with the writing but also when you have a more um more compelling performer. Yeah. Um what happens is that 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 great that great stuff that you get with Orm sort of diminishes um your lead. Um which is why when Thor Ragnarok came out Thor suddenly became awesome because they're like hey Thor is kind of the least interesting guy in the Thor movies right. because we're so into Loki. Um so it it didn't I, again it it didn't it didn't bother me um but i, I do think they they kind of learn they learned some lessons from the first movie um and <laughs> patrick wilson just he is just a more interesting guy i think someplace in the story like it's always that atlantis was was trying to invade the surface like we never really got the surface trying to attack Atlantis because right. for the most part, the way that it's presented, at least in this is they don't know Atlantis is down there. Right. Um, So it's all, it's all sort of accidental, like all the bad shit that the surface people do. They're not doing it as a, as a deliberate attack on Atlantis. It's just yeah. because, you know, we're careless. Um, <laughs> So I think there was probably like, you needed to have that moment with Arthur. Why he, being a man of two worlds, why he is the guy. Yeah. Aside from patrick wilson saying he's the guy right right
1: yeah i i would have liked to see more with pat with um, ocean master being ocean master like i would have liked to have seen him begrudgingly go along know it's for atlantis but also be able to call out arthur be a harder edge to arthur so that his arc is even bigger in terms of the the size of how far he has to come around to accepting Arthur so that by the end, when he's giving him the flowers, you kind of can feel somewhat that it's been earned. Whereas now yeah. when he's saying to him, he's like, oh, they wrote that there. So he has to say it here and supposedly bless Arthur for to be king. Uh, and you make a great point, Shane. He doesn't need his blessing for God's sakes, but of course you want your family's blessing. But like, but you almost, to, yeah, go ahead,
2: go ahead. Sorry, I just, uh, yeah. D- d- real quick, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, because like there's a couple, like one of the things that Aquaman is not, is does not know anything about how the world is supposed to work as far as politics right right like that's a given right. like we know that And ocean master is a conniving villain very smart knows how things should yeah. happen but an easy easy fix that just is like staring you right in the face is that when they go see martin short as Jabba oh, the hut yeah. um like the way it's played right now is ocean Master is like i know how this works i know how to do this and then yeah. aquaman just beats everybody up but if you had just switched it where if it Ocean Master was like look I'm I know how bad guys think I know we need to trick this guy we need to treat this guy as bad he's going to stab him as in the back and then Aquaman ended up drinking with the guy and they like had a great time and yeah. you know like or even with like with the Randall Park thing with the doctor uh Dr. Shen what, what yeah. uh you know the way they played it was well, Aquaman just wanted to beat him up and it was Orm who was like, yes. But if Aquaman is just the man of the people who just like knows how to deal with people better and doesn't know it was like, right. Orm is the villain, even keeping him as the guy that understands politics and is a more polished guy, yeah. make him the less trusting guy, make yeah. Aquaman the guy that people are drawn to, but they just gave everything to Orm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and
1: probably so because Patrick wasn't as a better actor. So he can play these levels, he can play the nuance, in these scenes and and have it work. But I agree with you, Mike. It's a simple fix to play it that way so that he's got farther to go so that by the end, you're really excited about his turn, but you've already seen him as a villain or an untrusting person person throughout. So by the end, you don't want him to necessarily be king, but you appreciate the fact that he's come around on Arthur. Yeah, Yeah. I thought, but I mean, but Patrick Wilson did a wonderful job. uh, He was great. uh, Yeah. Uh,
3: And I think something else that they could have done with Patrick Wilson is they could have made him kind of, Kind of elite. Like when you think yeah. about who's who's yeah. gonna go fight in a war, it's not gonna be Patrick Wilson. It's gonna be all the grunts on on the ground, right. All the people that are not living in the palace. Like if it was if it became more of like you need to see everyone as an equal, right, you know, you still give him a lesson to learn. And that is not yeah. that's not what happened. I mean, another one simple right
1: into your face is he's a pure in his mind, he's a pure blood. Like you said, elite, a pure blood, whereas Arthur is of two worlds, maybe not as pure. So there's something you could have around with that as well um let's see where we at right now yeah let's take a quick break we're at half an hour let's take a quick break we'll jump into the manta stuff and yes we'll talk about the mara stuff on the other side of this uh right after that
0: hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am thrilled to invite you to rachel uncensored my podcast where i get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics from personal stories to hot button issues we cover it all New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. <laughs>
1: is that the what is that one and it's a bitsy
3: teeny weenie Uh, i thought
1: you're gonna do rubber ducky all right let's move on uh shannon let's go to you and by the way if you're sending in stream and super chats keep sending them in we're gonna get to them in just a minute uh we'll definitely answer them uh, here in a a little bit here on the show uh black manta let's move on to black manta here yaya abdul mateen the second coming in to play black manta again uh, he gets uh, co-opted by this black trident. Uh, he is uh, taken over by this king here, uh, this kingdom that is Necris, this uh, lost kingdom. Cordax is the king. Hulu Azbek from uh, Game of Thrones there being the voice uh, and essentially turns him into his uh, minion to go and perform the most horrific acts and steal, oh, I don't know, some of these elements, <laughs> steal these elements to blow things up. <laughs> some <laughs> convoluted climate uh, issue, you know, a world climate issue thrown in there that is just so frustrating when you see it. But uh yeah, what do you think of this, shannon uh, the Black Manta storyline, was it a waste? Was it worth it that they really I mean, we never get to see this villain actually kind of take over or he gets killed almost immediately once he shows up. What are your thoughts on this? I I mean, poor
3: Palu Asbeck. <laughs>
0: I know, right?
3: Literally, you got to see him in one in one brief flashback scene where I don't even think it's I don't even think it's him talking. I think I think that's Uh, a voiceover. Um, This guy who was he was you know very very entertaining in Game of Thrones. I I, I imagine that he originally had a little bit more to do. Um, Look, I mean, someone wanting to a a bad guy wanting to avenge their father—that is a very easy way in (laughs) for a villain. But again, you've got this a calcum, this yeah, ancient orichalcum. fuel that powers these machines, but it also ruins the environment. But then you find out with the Black Trident, there's water Mordor, and they turn the, the, the bad guy into Ocean S- Sauron or Siron. Yeah. Oh, no, no,
1: no. <laughs> Even me, I must stop there. No.
3: <laughs> it was... It was a lot of a lot again. Yahya Abdul Mateen, like, if, if you've seen, you know, he, he didn't have a giant part in uh in The Greatest Showman, um, but he's great. If you watched the Watchmen yeah. HBO series, um, the guy's an incredible actor and he just kind of is playing one gear this entire movie, which is what he did in the first movie. I mean, it was literally like you're you're mad, um, you know, that's that's pretty much the extent. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was the best thing to come out of the whole Black Trident thing is we got some awesome we got some awesome Trident duels. Um, That was that was the coolest thing. I thought the action was just so leveled up and getting to see in live action Aquaman and Black Manta fighting. And also justifying why this scuba diver can take on, you know, the king of the 70s. Like, oh, well, he's got some sort of, you know, uh, dark power, um, you know, uh, uh, coursing in his veins because of the Black Trident. Um, like, it, it's silly. It's silly. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but again, I enjoyed that.
1: Guy. Fair point. <laughs> yeah, Michael, are we in danger here with some of these films? I see some of these, my fellow reviewers, I see some people, some fans go, you know what? I just had fun with it. I just had fun with it. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. You know, and the same thing with the, the Marvels. It was fun. It was fun. But there's more that can happen in a comic book movie, in a superhero movie. You look at Manta. Again, here's another situation. You brought this up earlier when we were talking about uh, Orm. Here's another situation where the writers were like, don't make him too evil. We don't want to make him too evil. Let's have him being taken over. Not entering into an unholy pact. Let's have him taken over by this king and by this trident. And he's messed up in the head because he wants revenge. So he's being taken advantage of. So by the end, we actually feel sympathy when he turns down Arthur's hand and falls into where he falls into because he hasn't dealt with his anger towards Arthur. Why are they afraid to write evil characters in these fun movies? Can't someone just be evil without needing to be redeemed by the end in some way? What did you think about the Manta storyline in this in this film?
2: I don't think they did that just because they were worried. Like, I mean, look the the uh, evil Mordor Sauron Siron. is pure evil. No, nope. uh, not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> but he's pure evil. It's not like they're like this this whole yeah, idea that they do also these dispatched
1: they, in two minutes. You
2: know, sure, but like I mean, look the. I don't think these choices are made out of some desire to make everybody warm and cuddly. Like this is a very old trope, and it's a trope that happens when you've run out of ideas. Like it just makes him boring. Like Black yeah, Manta's cool. not interesting. Like you, they need. I think they probably did it more for the power up than for any concern about us caring about Black. Like honestly, you Black Manta. Wanting to avenge his dad and having a bunch of dad issues and just taking it all out on Aquaman rather than dealing with his grief actually makes him more sympathetic than running around for the entire movie possessed by some sea demon like mm. it it just robs the character of anything interesting um, characters yeah, yeah. are interesting when they have really full motivations like Killmonger again we keep coming back to it because they're very similar stories but Killmonger uh, is a super evil villain mm. and also has kind of a point like yeah, it's not entirely right. wrong like magneto is a great villain he's also not entirely wrong yeah. um you know the best villains are the ones that actually have something interesting and you know with black manta like the whole i'm blaming aquaman for the death of my dad is uh shannon's right you can make a lot out of that it really wasn't ultimately aquaman's fault i mean i guess it kind of was but like you know black manta kind of you left him to die <laughs> yeah well his dad dad was a bad guy his dad was a bad guy but i'm saying like you know i that sustains you for one movie getting to the next movie like he definitely and i think this is where they really run into the problem is all right this guy let my dad die i fought him he beat me right i'm gonna keep i'm gonna make this my entire life to the absence of everything else and i think they were just like oh yeah we don't really buy it let's have him get possessed as opposed to really kind of leveling him up to a different way that was more interesting i mean i just think ultimately anytime you see a movie where the villain gets possessed uh and yeah i'm looking at you dr strange in the multiverse of madness like anytime that you go oh the bad guy was just possessed so that's why we didn't have to deal with any of their character stuff at all they were just possessed and they were bad that is boring it is I not agree. interesting i agree captain american
1: civil war i agree um yeah this uh with this idea of being possessed yeah i agree with you michael actually <laughs> the way you phrase it is a little bit better in the how i was presenting it but i think we're in the same ballpark in that i would have liked a more active choice from manta like i'm gonna enter into this unholy union because i know i can't go toe-to-toe with him my suit's not fixed i'm running out of time this is the way to do it i'm gonna finally get my revenge and then maybe it becomes too much for him. We can approach what we get from the beginning later on down the road because he's not aware of how deep this evil goes. He's not mm-hmm. aware of how incredibly powerful this evil is, an entire kingdom. This guy made, this uh, original king made deals with dark magic, with the unholy, with the undead, turned his kingdom into a bunch of the undead. That can overwhelm a human being because at the end of the day, black man is just a human being. So, th- to, But he could have that power and use it until he realizes what that means for himself and so maybe him not taking arthur's hand is his own punishment for what he's done because in the end he is a man who has virtue and the only reason he's going after aquaman is because he killed his father maybe before this guy found out how much of an evil person his father was so there's things you can explore there's richer stuff to explore here that they don't really do which is so frustrating um,
3: well and and yeah, honestly, okay. like you didn't need the whole possession angle. Like you really didn't need that. Like you I can agree. just have this thing power him up, and it's like okay, now our bad guy is more powerful, mm-hmm. and and that way you kind of you you know you lose point, you, yeah. you lose C-ron, Um, but uh, but ultimately <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. You're trying to make this <laughs>
1: uh, happen, don't <aren't> you, Fetch? <laughs> but
3: but yeah. ultimately, that probably takes that takes out a little bit of uh, a little bit of story time that you can devote to something else. Yeah. that might have been a little more useful.
1: I agree. Yeah, I agree all right michael let's deal with mara uh your thoughts here um she was in the film more than i anticipated more than they seemed to say um if you watched any of those court uh, uh transcript or any court uh, testimonies there, but in the end still kind of an observer they had her take part kind of in the finale but not that much uh and so were you confused by this i mean this seemed like she didn't even need to be in the movie, to be honest with you, with how, li- with how much they cut down her part or didn't give her much to do at all in the second film. What are your thoughts on this? And if you want to comment on Amber Heard's
2: performance. I mean, I don't think she's in the movie enough to really comment on her performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- I think that it's fair. they I think they again, they did themselves a disservice here. Uh, if you're going to keep Amber Heard and you're going to keep her as Mira, then use her. And if Mm -hmm. you don't want to use her, then recast her and don't use Amber Heard. But what they ended up doing is they kept her in the movie and she was present at all the places where Mira should be. And she did some of the things that Mira should do. But she had no uh, influence over Arthur's story or Orm's story or anything like she didn't contribute to the story as an active member. She never had a heart to heart with Arthur about parenting or balancing right. parenting with the rule with ruling a kingdom or anything at all. Like she just was there. Um so yeah, she was present. But it's like again, when you uh when you look at all of the characters in the first Black Panther movie, just yep. again, I'll keep I'll keep using the example because <laughs> you have one thing that's great and one that's not, but like you were every single character had an opinion yeah. about Wakanda and the outside world and what it meant to be a king and what Wakanda's responsibilities were to Wakandans versus Wakandans' responsibility to the wider black community of the world. Like, there, yeah. Every character had an important piece that led to T'Challa's arc happening. Right. And so when you have your female lead, um, yeah. I mean, arguably, I would say Nicole Kidman I think is a there, higher too. level in this movie than Amber Heard is. But yeah. when you have the character that should be your female lead, who is also the love interest, who is also the lead's wife and the father and the mother of the lead's child. Um, And she really has nothing to say. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, I mean, and honestly, it even does Amber Heard a disservice. Like, I don't, she's not my, I don't, from everything I've heard, I don't think she is probably the greatest person, but it's like you put her in this movie and you give her absolutely nothing to do. And the stuff that you gave her to do, you cut out of the movie and... If you're a fan of Mira, like you get to see her on screen, I guess. But like it just ultimately it kind of is a loss for everybody, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think, you know, because whatever your feelings are personal about Mira, about Amber Heard, rather, that's that's left at the doorstep. This is the character. And as the character in the first film, she was a very big part of the first film, Shannon. She's the one making Arthur pay attention. She's the one g- going through all the different um, uh, puzzles and things that they need to solve to find these artifacts to g- to kind of prove that he is worth leadership. He, she is such a counsel. She fights alongside him in the in the penultimate, or sorry, in the in the final battle. But in this film, you're going to tell me that her as queen is just just serves for her to wake him up. When he's talking to the council, her as a mom just serves to occasionally be there when Thomas isn't there and then freak out when their baby is taken by Manta and then later showing up to kind of participate in the final battle uh, to save him in a critical moment. But then then holding the baby at the end, like Mara should have been a much bigger part of this movie. Again, regardless of what your Amber Heard feelings are, she was a massive part of the first film that made a billion dollars. She should have absolutely been a counsel for him to help him with the with the, with the Council of the Seven Kingdoms, been a counsel for him as a mom, a counsel for him as a hero, but counsel all over the place. So it just felt like they did a massive disservice to the character of Mara, irregardless that Amber Heard is playing her, but the character should have had more, don't you think?
3: Oh, absolutely. I think the most proactive thing she did was at the beginning when she redirected Arthur Jr.'s pee into uh, Aquaman's face. <laughs> like that was that was the most proactive thing she did. Now, she was she was great in the action um, because yeah. Mary's got cool powers. Um, but outside of that, it's like she was there. I mean, Vogel, you know, we, we talked about it after the movie. It's like mm. they may have um, reduced her contributions in the th- scenes that she was in, but she was there. She was kind of set dressing yeah, uh, a little bit. And yeah, I mean, ultimately if, if a performer in their first go at, at a character, if, if they don't have chemistry with your lead, then you either kind of get rid of them or you, you recast them. And they yeah. did neither. I mean, they, they were like, well, no, she's still, she's still here. We're just going to have her do way less. And it was very, very noticeable um it it seemed like okay you may have spoken a little bit but all of that hit the cutting room floor but yeah i mean i mean i think also because of her prior relationship with orm she would have a lot of thoughts about arthur going on this going on this adventure with him. yeah um so and and that's again that's fertile ground for character development like oh we could really get some good we could get some good moments in here but ultimately i think either because of her personal life or because of her performance they decided well, we're going to keep her. We're just not going to do much with her.
1: Yeah, that's a great point because even Black Manta brings that up, right? He says, oh man, you didn't just steal this kid. You stole this woman. Wow. I mean, there is something to play with there that they kind of laid out in the script that you could have had some interesting conflicts for, for Momoa to, or for Arthur rather, Momoa's Arthur to confront for himself. Not only do I think I'm not a good king, am I not a good husband? Am I not a good dad? There is all this stuff that you could have confronted with, With Arthur, that could have been so rich in the movie, um, but of course, people had fun. So why should we care about that? But I think you should care about that kind of stuff in movies that adds to the fun. By the
2: way, so well, to be fair to everybody in the world who likes to have fun at movies, I like like Transformers. I'll I'll, I'll just you do like Transformers. Here's what I'll say: (laughs) I, I think eating chocolate cake is fun. Sure, chocolate cake tastes great. And every once in a while you just sit you have a piece of chocolate cake for dinner and you're like I'm not eating anything else I'm just having this chocolate cake it's great. If all you eat every single meal is chocolate cake you're going to get sick. Sure. Like it just is not an, a sustainable thing. And so when we're talking about a single superhero movie coming out in the absence of of the bigger world that we live in, and you just really love that one superhero movie, and fuck everybody's opinion, you think it's great, Mm -hmm. then you're Shannon, you're going to buy Aquaman 2 on on Blu-ray, you're going to keep it around, you're going to pop it on sometimes, and that's totally fine. (laughs) But when you're a studio, and you're spending billions and billions of dollars on these giant interconnected universes, it's not enough for them to just be fun. Like there has to be, you have to have some steak and potatoes sometimes yeah, and then you can have the chocolate cake in there but yeah. you've got to have it a little bit so like look if you just love going to the movies and you love those things that's great but for this to be a sustainable business where a bigger portion of the population goes to see these movies beyond hardcore geeks that just want to see their characters come to life on screen you've got to have some more to it mm. ultimately in the long term than just chocolate cake. Yeah, it's not just about critics
1: versus fans. It's it's critics want to go in and like a movie. Are there some with ulterior motives? Sure. But to think that's the majority is where I kind of have to go, like, man, you guys are insane. We all want to like movies. We all want to enjoy films. We want to have a good time. But if something is so so obviously bad or stupid or not doesn't work it's going to point it out and and point it out and but if you got to point it out in a way that's constructive that's like well here's what could have worked here's what, what would have been better and i kind of like that our show does that to be honest with you it isn't just bitching 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 we actually give other avenues you know that they could have gone down that would have made the film better or a tv show better which i think kind of separates us out and i appreciate that about when we have these spoiler reviews uh for sure let's see where we're at yeah um michael you want to say one more thing i heard the click of the mouth. no that was shannon Oh, that was Shannon. Shannon what do you want to say? Sorry. Yeah. No one sets out to make a bad movie like right. everyone, every
3: studio, every filmmaker. They want to go in and make the best movie that they can. Now, yeah. in terms of of the people that they that they hire to put in charge, maybe they they are not setting themselves up for success. Right. Um, but no one. It, it's kind of like when you have those worst of lists at the end of the year. Those are really shitty um oh. like if if we want to talk in private about the things that are like oh boy that movie was a turd um but in but going on like a public platform and and just being like just here piece of shit after piece of shit after piece of shit you know a lot of people worked really hard on that so i kind of have i i have an issue with those hmm. but again james wan wanted to make the best aquaman movie that he could yeah but with with a with the sun setting on a cinematic universe, a studio that doesn't know what they're exactly doing. They're not sure of the direction. What you get is something like this. Um, you know, the, the original version of Aquaman and the lost kingdom, um, you know there there was going to be a there was going to be a post credit sequence with it first it was going to be Michael Keaton yes. then it was going to be Ben Affleck um you know they had they had uh the intention of keeping this story trying to keep this story going hmm. um and ultimately that is not what happens so yeah, yeah. this is this is the the fun day at the movies fun for not for everybody uh. <laughs> the fun day at the movies that we got as a result of these sort of you know shifting sands of the DC cinematic universe
1: yeah, I like what God, Greek Geeks and Goddesses says. They, they reduced Mara like Kelly Marie Tran's Rose Tico in Star Wars uh, Rise of Skywalker. I mm-hmm. agree. I was watching about half an hour of Rise of Skywalker, which is the first time I watched any of Rise of Skywalker the other day. And yeah, watching Rose just kind of be uh, relegated to the scoff acting was just so tough to see. And so I agree with that in your assessment of Mara there as well. Uh, John Myers uh, says uh, just came in knowing Michael so well. I bet he loved this movie.
2: Uh, you guys, but, you guys get me. You <laughs> but you
1: didn't love me. this movie. But
2: you didn't. He's me. being sarcastic. Knows? He knows. Oh,
1: oh, okay, all right, fair enough. I just want to make sure. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we we need italics. He loved this movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, fair point. That's why you should have done it. That's right. Um, let's hit one more thing before we go to another break, and then answer streamlabs and super chats. What did you think of the ensemble characters? Uh, we had Randall Parks, Doctor Shin. We had uh, Nicole Kidman's Atlanta, Thomas Curry in here, Tamara Morrison playing Thomas Curry, uh, Martin Short as Kingfish, <laughs> uh, um, uh, and John Reese Davies, which was great to see uh, here as the Brian King. Uh, as I said, Johnny Zhao is Stingray, and Pulu Asback as Kordax. And if I'm forgetting anybody else, it's because you didn't stand out to me. So. Uh uh Shannon, I go back to you. What do you think of these uh these performances? What do you think of the characters? Anything to say about these characters that stood out for you? Well, the one that you forgot <laughs> was what Dolph forgot. Lundgren's King Narrative. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. You did stand out to me, Dolph. Yes, Nerius. Yes, <laughs> right. I don't trust you, man. I don't trust you. Yeah. I mean,
3: Nicole Kidman is doing the best that she can. Oh, yeah. Um, John Reese Davies, like he was acting like I had to look it up. Like, I didn't know that he was the Brian King in the first one because I think the only time the Brian King spoke was in the middle of a giant action scene where he's getting his claw lopped off. <laughs> um look, man, they 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 all did the best that they could <laughs> with what they were given. Um Dolph lundgren Maybe not, maybe not his <laughs> finest performance. I mean, uh, Martin Short, I thought, I thought was was pretty funny. Um, uh, and there was one other I was going to talk about, and yeah. it is just, it is just fallen out of. Was my it head.
1: Tom? Tomorrow Morrison? Was it Pillow Azback? Johnny Zhao? Who's, it was. Or, it was, was
3: Randall, it? or was it? Or was it Tomorrow oh, Morrison's Park. teeth?
2: Tomorrow Morrison's <laughs> teeth. <laughs> oh, oh wow!
1: It was.
3: It was Randall Park. In that, I was. I would say I prefer him as Jimmy Wu to to dr shin uh, i i think playing the kind of yeah the kind of frazzled guy that dr shin was i'm like eh, i don't know if i really like this randall park as much uh, i again i like him more as jimmy woo but uh look they they, they did the best they could with what they were given so i will not i will not critique anyone else's performance
1: i'm hitting other. my randall park limit and i hope i can say that he's got, got a The Mm shtick is getting old for me. So I'm just saying. But yeah, Michael, what do you think of these ensemble characters?
2: For reasons that that I can't tell you, and it probably has to do with something I should talk to my therapist about. Randall Park as Jimmy Woo, not super attractive to me, but Randall Park in this role, kind of hot. Kind of into him. Okay. (laughs) The bundling professor? that Arguably, Jimmy Woo is who I should be dating. Sure, sure not this scientist (laughs) but you like
0: what do we think
2: that means i yeah i think it uh it has a lot to do with why i'm single so there we go so there's uh there's my therapy for the day but no i thought i thought all i think shannon's right look i think they have some incredibly talented people in this movie and also dolph lundgren is in it (laughs) and i think that everybody (laughs) did um I think everybody did the absolute best they could with material that's kind and look I mean for this movie particularly I mean you've got they're mostly on a green screen like there's oh, not sure. a lot of practical sets sure, in this sure, movie sure, sure. and half the time they're being told hey you're talking you're talking to an obese uh, sexually ambiguous fish that's going to be voiced by Martin Short. So like, you're just sort of like, okay. Um, so I think everybody did the best they, You know, I don't, it's it's a shame because Shannon is 100% right. Nobody goes in to make a bad movie. Some people go in and do a movie just for the paycheck, and I'm sure yeah. some of the people in this movie were like, "Great, Aquaman 2. First movie made a billion dollars. My agent got me a really great deal. I'm getting paid really well to go talk to a sexually ambiguous fish, and they were happy to do that." But I think that um the the fault of what this the movie the is not the acting right now. Yeah, the fault ahead. of the movie is not the acting. Oh, I
1: don't disagree with you. The fault of the movie is not the act. I think everybody put in, including Dolph. I thought put in a decent performance, to good performance for the characters. I mean, I love the Brian King. Don't get me wrong, John Reese Davies. I can never have enough John Reese Davies. He is the new Brian Blessed, or the you know, it's just the same kind of thing. He's just perfect to have him as a voice. And I was going to hate the kingfish, but, you know, I love Martin Short so much that I can't.
2: I enjoyed the goofiness of it all. That entire sequence is a great example to me of like a great idea. Like yeah, this, these sure. sunken pirate ships where it's the one place where hum- – I, I do think in a movie where your king wants to bring the human world and the undersea world together, yeah. and you have all the criminals from the human world and the undersea ostensibly all talking to each other because pirates all talk to each other. Right. There's probably more that could be, could have been made of that. But the set was really cool. Yeah. The idea of it was really cool. Like I, I felt like there was more you could have done – with this sort of underwater, Moz Isley, Jabba's Palace, Cantina vibe. Um, And I think they kind of, they went there, they did it, but it's like, that was something where I'm like, oh, this is actually a great idea. Mm. You've got Martin Short, you've got a lot you can do here. I kind of wanted them to lean into it more. Well, let me go back to you with that, Michael. What did you think of the
1: cinematography uh, and what did you think of the music, the score here from Robert Griggs and William Rupert Griggs and Williams, rather the cinematography by Don Burgess? What did you think about the look of the film, the vibrancy of the film and then the music itself? And Shannon, please chime in after Michael. Um,
2: I think Shannon's right. I think James Wan learned a lot from the first one. I think mm-hmm. the underwater action in general, the underwater world looked uh, more interesting. I think they suffered a little bit. It's not it's not to the quantum mania level of too much but they did suffer a little bit from i mean atlantis is a little bit all over the place it's very high tech and angular and futuristic looking it looks like the abyss in some sections Ooh, yeah and it looks like king triton's undersea kingdom in the other sections and there's lots <laughs> of floppy gelatinous things but then there's really hard edge things and you're kind of like okay there's atlantis has a lot there's not really one architectural style to atlantis um and then you go to this huge desert sequence with these sort of um yandu from star wars looking emaciated guys and then you go to the nightmare you then you go to this whole sort of underwater criminal den and then you're in the volcano and like th- and then you're in underwater mordor so they had a lot of really big set pieces but you know it's it's sort of an example of um art direction gone wild mm. oh, like okay. none of the choices that were made were that. I mean, arguably, I would say basically looking like you straight up ripped off Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies at the end is not the best choice. <laughs> but other than that, I don't think any of the choices they made were bad choices. I just think they didn't really make a choice. They just did everything. And a really good movie, uh, again, I'm just going to keep doing it. When you look at the way Ryan Coogler envisioned Wakanda, yeah. it is so specific and so inspired from the afrofuturism artistic movement and it's just a very like when i say wakanda to anybody now we all think of ryan kugler's wakanda and it's very specific when i say the dc universe's atlantis you're like uh which part <laughs> and so i think that's the issue well uh, yeah shannon what are your thoughts
1: on the look and uh cinematography here and also the music by rupert rupert Gregson williams well the production design is a lot like the script they tried to do everything Mm. and in trying to do
3: everything they didn't really service one thing Uh, they, they didn't really get to feature one thing really really well um there are parts of atlantis that i think look absolutely awesome um uh the the kind of again water mordor it's so apparent like it's so much like like the black gate it's like that did nobody, like, there's a way to make something look ominous without yeah. just, you know, diving into your Return of the King DVD and be like, just, just do that, but blue. Um, You know, Uh the score was something, I mean, I like Rupert Gregson, what um, was it, Rupert Gregson? Williams. Williams? Yeah, yeah I, I like his score from the first movie. I like that there were some returning themes. I mean, that's a big thing with me as as a film person. Like, I, I hate when the next chapter of a story, it's completely different music. Like all the, all these like light motifs for characters are gone. Uh, that, that really bothers me. And, and that is something that they didn't do. Like yeah. uh, they got that great theme when Atlanta is talking to Arthur about like what he's going to have to go and do. It's like, yeah, yeah great. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Um Production design, again they tried to do everything cinematography i thought it was real nice i think they were again james wan learned some lessons he was able to kind of fine-tune a couple of things and make it look really really like it was shot incredibly well um again it was just the stuff that they were shooting maybe not the best
1: yeah i agree with that i thought it was beautiful to look at i thought don burgess did a wonderful job of the cinematography james wan some of the direction here making those areas although they may be as you said michael incongruent in styles they definitely came to life. That was never bored watching the underwater scenes in Atlantis or in, a, in whatever kingdom they were in. I liked the ingenuity of them all, and that kept my attention for sure. I thought the score was a bit much. I went, it went overboard in certain moments. I was like, what is happening here? That it was noticeable. And again, I'm not a score horror, but for me, if it's noticeable bad or noticeable good, that says something to me when I'm watching a film. So. To me, that's kind of one of the negatives for me. But overall, the look of it, I thought, was really interesting to, to look at. And you could be standing in awe of what they were able to conceive and come up with and shoot in the movie. Um, all right, let's take one more break here. And uh, on the other side, we'll have one more question for these two guys. And then we'll get into your Streamlabs Super Chats, everybody. We'll be right back right after this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay, okay. Shannon, your thoughts on the horror elements of the film here. We got uh we got big large ants, we had massive creatures, we had things being sucked into black holes with tentacles. Um uh, we had, as you said, the army of the dead, the Mordor situation. <laughs> uh what are your thoughts on the horror elements did they fit James Wan being a horror guy it was there was some of them the first movie not quite as overt it feels like it was much more overt here in this movie what did you think about uh the horror elements of the film
3: I mean really it was the trench sequence in the first movie and and I thought that trench sequence in a movie that I was not a big fan of I really liked that sequence I Mm -hmm. thought that was great um uh in terms of, like I wouldn't really call these horror elements. I mean again, I, I like I wouldn't say a lot of stuff in Lord of the Rings was were horror elements. I'm like, mm-hmm. these are just kind of these are our bad guys. Um they look a little undead, but I, I think they're I think there's a way to ways to go before I would call them horror elements. So undead
1: and- things not horrific to you in this case no
3: <laughs> again I think there was probably a way to make them a little a little scarier okay. um and and again not so not so bargain basement Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. um I, I like the idea of the underwater kingdom of the dead I think that's a, I think that's a cool idea but as it connects to Oralcum and Black Manta and all the other stuff mm-hmm. uh, it was just again it was like too many ideas <laughs> P-
1: pick a lane pick a lane and go okay uh what do you think of the horror elements uh in the movie here michael i mean we did see people getting dragged to their death so what did you well, think of these horror?
2: I see people getting dragged to my death in uh, robocop i wouldn't call it a horror movie <sighs> um but i think no i think because i think shannon's right i think that's actually the point is that it almost feels like james wan was robbed like there's a lot of ideas in there that should be but like mm. if you're gonna easy example if you're gonna do orm and arthur are on an, a volcano island and getting attacked by giant bugs, if you set it at night, yeah. it's a horror scene and it's very scary. If you set it in the middle of the day, it's an action scene and it's cool looking, but it's not that scary. And I think that even the army of the dead at the end, it came across more as like this giant Lord of the Rings moment. Cause you had all the armies, you didn't have like creepy zombie stuff. Like they looked creepy. Like the art like when they designed them they're like yeah this is scary looking but in execution it was like aside from like maybe the tentacle at the beginning you know when they like fell into the trench and the tentacle was there and like that was scary-ish but like yeah it just it just leaned more towards giant monster action um even like the guys that were um guarding orm like we were told like they are on land and they keep themselves hydrated just enough by drinking blood which is horrific Mm. but they we didn't get a cool vampire underwater like you know we didn't you know there was nothing that really like leaned towards like i mean i'll say this for sam raimi like i do not like multiverse of madness but his sort of uh b-movie horror instincts are very much on display in that movie and i think james wan's sort of horror instincts are muted in this and kind of replaced with let's just go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger
1: well that's my point i mean you guys are pushing back on this but they are horror elements whether they work for you or not is irrelevant to whether they were horror elements they were horror elements they just didn't work for you guys you weren't scared by them i mean An army of the dead being having their skin stripped off and becoming just skeletons that kill, that is a horrific element. It may not be horrific to you when you see it, but it is a horror element. So my question was, what did you guys think of the horror elements? And both of you seem to be saying they didn't work or were muted, as you just said, Michael. But they were in there, for fuck's sake. I mean, giant ants chasing you down, that is a fucking horror thing to experience.
3: That reminds me of a horror movie I saw called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And
2: was a horror <laughs> scene. Are, are they running laughing, or are they running scared for <laughs> their
1: fucking lives? They're running scared for their fucking. So you are
2: telling me that when someone is running and scared, it's a horror scene. It's As a, horror a cinephile element.
1: It's a horror element.
2: Yes, it's a horror element. Yes, Gone Girl is a horror.
1: Fatal Attraction is a horror. What is wrong with you? Maybe it's a, a thriller It's a thriller. Yeah, you're trying to kill me and cut my. <laughs> never mind <laughs>
2: <laughs> i, I want to do an has. entire i want to do an entire geek bite about if somebody is running scared we're going to classify that as horror of course it is it is a horror what other feeling
1: are you thrilled by having someone chasing you with a knife or are you scared out of your motherfucking mind that's a horror you're scared out of your motherfucking mind
2: i this is a what is this? Is, this is a classic Roka double down, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Please.
1: <laughs> Are you saying you're, you're thrilled by a woman who can slam a hammer into her face trying to take over your life? That is a horror element. For She's cooking horror. rabbits in a bowl. That's a horror element. So Indiana it was a, it jones was a pot.
2: So Indiana Jones running from a giant ball that's coming down towards him is a horror element. No,
1: that's something. That's that's the consequences of actions. That's a different situation. <laughs> Completely, <laughs> different situation. <laughs> Completely different situation.
2: <laughs> Completely different
1: situation. <laughs> no, but but uh, who's the guy? Who's the villain in the se- in the second movie? Uh, Khan, Rami Khan. What's his name? The villain in the second movie. Of, which, the temple, of doom, temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Well, Temple of has horror elements oh oh it has horror elements oh interesting yes exactly because he's trying to pull the heart out of your fucking chest that is a horror element that um, that i agree when the arc yeah. is opened that is a horror element right because they can't they're scared to look because it, the, the fact that he screams and his face melts off that's yeah. a horror element so that's yeah. so that is a horror element yeah yeah That's what you make it clear oh uh, oh my god all right
2: anyway let's uh let's
1: <laughs> Wait, did we just take a break? We already took a break.
2: <laughs> this is my... JMB go... <laughs> JMB. But sir, this is Blackjack and you're showing 20. Roka, hit me. <laughs> we live in a world. Anyway, all right. Uh, Jim Fan
1: says, uh, thought this movie gave us too much Jason Momoa. Arthur talking to his dad about singles father, single fathers while Mara's in the next room holding the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: It so is...
0: yeah.
2: And I do think this they I think they had a problem because like there's they just didn't give him anything else like all they gave him to do the biggest the biggest thing he taught his brother was eat cheeseburgers and cockroaches and i can't believe you've never had a slice of za bro like there, there and like that kind of personality is is totally fine and valid to give to your aquaman but they just didn't give him anything in addition to so it ended up ringing hollow because you just kept banging the same drum over and over Plus, he
1: hated humanity. Why the fuck would he have a burger or a za? You would think years being in charge as king would make him more empathetic to have an equal level conversation. It just, they went ignorant when it was convenient and smart when it was convenient. And that's frustrating when you see that in the character. Mm-hmm. Fantastic 314 says, Orm learning to run properly, then running faster than Arthur was hilarious. <laughs> Agreed. Their journey was both fun and silly, but got repetitive. That moment was great. Yeah, I agree. That moment
2: was fantastic. mainly Patrick Wilson running like this at first. Like it was like, <laughs> that yeah. was, that was really, really fun. That was a great moment. I give that, uh, that moment is an A plus. I agree. I agree.
1: Little, little horror, the way he was running for sure. <laughs>
2: Gary, Gary Johnson says,
1: just wanted to donate. Always love watching your live shows, buddies. definitely makes my day better. I could go on such a rant about the DCEU, but it would cost me $200 to get all the animosity I have for this franchise. Uh, that's fair, uh, Derek. You've always been a great supporter of us, so we appreciate it. You don't need to spend $200. But yeah, gentlemen, this uh, this could be a good springboard real quick. Um, although Derek has one more. Uh, he said, okay, C-Ron was amazing. Had all the guys laughing. It was so bad that it was great. Uh, there you go. But yeah,
2: and I mean... Why you, Derek. do you, Um
1: What is our uh, final thought on the DCEU now that it's wrapped up? And we had our legacy conversation, but now that we've seen the movie, you guys have seen the movie, what, what is your am- amended final thoughts on the DCEU after having seen the movie now?
2: <laughs> I think that's good. Just the exhale might be enough. The sigh might be enough. Is that good? It, look, it was a mixed bag. And as John pointed out when we were talking about this on the main show, mm. uh they, they gave us some good stuff like there is what? some good stuff in the dceu but on the whole it's just such a patchwork quilt of nonsense yeah. that it's even hard to judge it as an entirety which is actually the problem oh that's a fair point yeah
1: yeah how can we judge it when it was so so mishmash put together yeah shannon any do you have a final follow-up? yeah
3: i mean it's it's uh the the what the Paula abdul song the Paula abdul song Two steps forward, three steps back. <laughs> I mean, every time they would find something that worked, yeah. inevitably the 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 thing that would follow it set them back. And it was always, I, again, we we said this the other day, but I mean, it was so reactive. Mm, everything it. everything was a course correction before the ship even left the harbor. So you know, that's just not the way. That's just not that's not the way to to tell a story because you're you're never you
1: you just don't have a clear path. Even this movie feels a bit reactive, right? Because it made a billion dollars, but it got some pretty terrible reviews. So they come back with a sequel that's a little bit Star Wars, a little bit Lord of the Rings, a little bit Iron Man, a little bit Thor, a little bit Black Panther. Let's throw and, st- and just throw it all together and see what we come up with by the end. Yeah, a See, of- I wouldn't even say this was reactive.
3: I think they looked at the first movie made a billion dollars and they had all this crap in it. So like, you know what?
1: More. A <laughs> <Throw> more. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for Venom, I guess um J&B says if you guys were execs at wb where would you take the characters and the stories in the reboot would you bring anyone back or totally wipe the slate clean etc thank you uh gentlemen who wants to answer that one
3: i mean i would totally wipe the slate clean even yeah. even things that work great like mm-hmm. viola davis i'm like get a new amanda waller like complete complete fresh start
1: yeah why fuck with the audience just wipe it clean start all over again uh, and uh, if you don't want to tell an origin story don't tell the origin story we already know about it it worked for Tom Holland Spider-Man in the MCU you can do that but wipe it clean completely and startle that way you can be judged by everything you brought into it and built into it not borrowing from other people's things and adding to you and adding your stuff
2: Michael what do you think yeah I mean look I I actually don't disagree with keeping Viola Davis or Peacemaker and I get that james gunn has more of a vested interest in those things and that's why he wants to keep them but i don't really begrudge him that i think by and large though just wiping the slate clean is great i've talked to some of our friends who are not big superhero people Mm. uh we drag they 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 see a lot of the superhero movies because we drag them to the superhero movies but they're not really (laughs) invested in the superhero universe and when i tell them that there's just like with superman legacy we're starting from scratch and it's going to be a whole new thing you get the exact response that i think warner brothers wants which is oh okay. Yeah. Like I'm in, like, I think people, like, if we're like, Hey, no, don't worry this movie, the flash is going to run on the cosmic treadmill and then Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot are going to leap over. But Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck won't be there. Like, it's just who, sure. All of us and everyone listening to this gets everything I just said, but try and tell that to your uncle in uh, Ohio. Like it just doesn't make sense. So I think wiping the slate clean and just giving us a fresh start is the, is the best idea.
1: Fantastic three fourteen says Orm didn't know Arthur's reason for fighting him, like Steve didn't know it was Bucky who killed Tony's parents until Civil War. And yeah, when he and then when he did, he hid it from Tony for as long as possible. Man, you're so upset
2: about that. I mean, it's you know people want to kiss
1: Captain America's ass. He
2: apologized. He says he was wrong, and he apologized.
1: Yeah, I guess. Uh <laughs> Gert Pectus, I guess, says. Minor thing, but I was so happy that Aquaman killed the hench woman. I can't stand that stupid trope where the hero can murder thousands of men, but no women. That was no woman. That was a Stingray. (laughs) Oh, Lord. That is terrible. And yes, of course. Uh, Haunted underscore Autumn said, uh, although, uh, to be fair, Stingray kept surviving uh, all these (laughs) near deaths. It was getting annoying, but by the end, they finally took her out. For God's sakes, haunted underscore autumn says, God bless you all for attempting to dissect the turd that is Aquaman 2 and trying to find meaning in the placement of the pieces of corn.
2: Wow. Jesus. Yikes, Listen, there, I will tell you growing, visceral up, message. <laughs> <laughs> growing up as a kid, and my parents can attest to this because they had to hear oh. me talk about it for hours. Like, okay. I think you do sometimes learn a lot more about good storytelling from the bad movies than the good oh, yeah. movies. Like if you watch a good movie, you watch Back to the Future uh and you break it down and you can talk about all the reasons that it's great but looking at a movie that really doesn't work and going you can just go look that movie was garbage and move on with your day but sitting there and going like well what does work what doesn't work why doesn't it work why do we think they made those choices you can sometimes learn a lot more yeah I think that's
1: what makes our friendship always work amongst the three of us because we don't always agree so like listening to each other agree with no It just becomes annoying after a while. It's good to have for, dis- some disagreements.
2: For example, your opinion about horror. Yes. And your
1: non-opinion <laughs> about <horror. 100% laughs> and, uh, Two more dollars for Shannon's musical interludes. There
3: you go. Oh, God. Thank God. I'll take it. Wipe out. <laughs> or an emperor says,
1: horror elements are part of different genres. Single Fathers was for how Aquaman was raised. So praising his father, not Aquaman. I didn't like it. And the DCEU deserved much better. <laughs> it me. is.
2: It is true in that scene. Like, he doesn't, they don't, they didn't actually forget about Mira. Like, Aquaman is talking about his dad, but to have two men in a movie talk about raising children and the whole single father thing and not have the character who is married and in a very strong and equal relationship loop that partner into it. Like, you know, there's, you know, like, again, Mira being in that scene and saying, yeah, what you did, you know, you the way you raised him is so much better than the way Orm was raised. Like there's so many things that Mira could have contributed and it would have made it feel equal, but the absence of the other parent in that scene was noticeable.
1: Yeah. And I also think it's a deficient uh, belief because yes, he was a single father to agree, but Atlanta didn't want him to be a single father. She had other things that kept her underwater in the kingdom and there was reasons for why she did what she did it would have been nice to have like maybe a later scene between thomas and her like after he's been shot maybe she's nursing him back to health or whatever uh it would have been nice to see more with both of them Tamura and nicole and unfortunately we didn't get that and that could have been addressed you know that would have been an interesting uh connection to that scene uh, when they're talking about single fathers. Emmanuel, Rob- Emmanuel Roberson says, besides Black Panther 2, Across the Spider-Verse, oh wait, BP2 is, I hope it's by the way, Across the Spider-Verse, the Garnet Seas, why the last two years of comic book movies went silly and fun without the emotional weight? This is a very good question. Uh, what do you guys think about this and why this might have happened um, here over the last few years?
2: Uh, Go for it, Mikey. I, well, I think that it kind of proves the point that I don't think any like I don't think any filmmaker cause Shannon's Shannon's point about no one tries to make a bad movie is true yeah I'm gonna tell you that no one spending two three years making a movie from development through production through release goes you know what I just want to make something fluffy. <laughs> I don't really want to say anything eh, let's just uh, let's just make some fun action sequences and string them together <laughs> like nobody does that. Yeah. Everyone wants to make something that actually says something it, and it could say something light. It can say something easy, but like when you're using, you're saying Black Panther two across the Spider Verse and Guardians three, uh, every other comic book movie went silly. I had to break it to you: Guardians of the Galaxy three and Spider Verse are very silly. Like, they have some huge comedic scenes. They're very, very funny. They just happen to also have a point and actually want to say some things as well. So, I, I, again, I think that when you go to a movie, as Shannon did with this one, and you go, "I don't give a shit. I loved it." Right. I had a blast, and I don't care. That's super fine, but I don't think that that is a studio, nor a director, nor a writer, nor a producer's intention yeah. in making a movie. I think that yes, they want to entertain. Yes, they want to have a good time. Yes, they want you to laugh. But I think they also want to go. And you know, I said a little bit something. I said a little something about the importance of family. I said something about why we choose to do the things we do. You know, I think that that's inherent in it. And I think all three of these movies have that. And a lot of the other movies that came out didn't. Yeah. uh, Shannon, your thoughts on this? Yeah.
3: I mean, unless you are bankrolling a film yourself, you you are paying for everything. Then people that at the studios, at the production companies, people have opinions. People will, you know, they're going to offer thoughts here. They're going to offer thoughts there. Um, And sometimes you might go in and have this great idea of what you're going to do. But sometimes a a little thread gets pulled here and a little thread gets pulled there. And what started as this thing that you thought was so fantastic, it suddenly it, it suddenly starts to get compromised. And like there was a there was a multicam sitcom I did many years ago that as we were on set, we were doing a read through and it is dumb. like I am not the audience for this show but it was absolutely ridiculous Mm. everyone in that room especially the ones in the suits (laughs) are cracking up because they have they have been sold on a vision and in their heads like we are making something great and sometimes that's you know that's why they do that's why they do test screenings Mm. (laughs) because it's a it's a, a small group of people that are seeing this film and being like huh did this not turn out the way we thought? Let's show it to some people who have no idea what they're about to see and see what happens. Yeah. Um, again, sometimes things work out really well, and sometimes they don't. And it, it's, it's again, unless you are the only person making all the creative decisions, other people are going to have opinions.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I've come to the thing, you know, as, as you guys are talking and I'm thinking about this question, it occurs to me that maybe, and I don't have any empirical evidence for this, but maybe the the reason we're suffering through one of the big downturns in superhero films is because most of these have been fun without being weighty. And one of the reasons people loved those first few phases of movies is because, as Michael said, they had something to say. There was something weighty about them. Not overwhelmingly weighty, but certainly weighty in what it was trying to say about parent parent and child relationships, about uh, finding your voice in the world, about making a stand, about... Uh, confronting evil about coming together and working together, overcoming each other's differences, accepting each other. uh, Those things that are a huge part of what makes a lot of these superhero films work because, yes, everyone's in tights and it's fantastical, but there's human elements that you can connect to, universality of experiences or um, conflicts and challenges that we all go through, no matter whether we have superpowers or not, that make them connectable. And I think we've gotten lost in the fun stuff and too many people are saying nowadays like oh can't we just have fun at the movies sure but when it becomes the predominant approach that's when you start to lose the weight of a um of a type of movie and i think that maybe what's happening now as people are starting to turn away from superheroes uh, superhero movies more and more so uh but as it i don't have empirical evidence to support that it just feels that way uh looking at it uh, we do have one stream lab that came through from Hoth security guards. There's nothing to contribute other than I borderline hated this movie. It's so bad. It's boring. Thanks for all the videos. All you all have given us happy holidays and enjoy the new year and past lives. And Flora and son were my two favorite movies of the year. Just wanted to publicly say that. Um, I will agree with you on past lives. It is fantastic. Uh, very moving. It's in my top 10. Uh, but Flora and son, I have not seen yet, which is on Apple TV. And I, look forward to seeing that one because i enjoyed um his previous movies john logan's previous movies uh there so uh gentlemen any comments on past lives or Florence? and Son? have either of you seen not it? not seen it yet okay. i've heard past lives is very good i cannot recommend that enough it's really good uh hot underscore score autumns is happy new year geek buddies you three have truly been a light in the darkness for me over the last few months much love to you all and everyone here never stop humming shannon
2: ah, <laughs> i agreed with i agreed with 90 percent of
1: that <laughs> <laughs> just keep humming all right so uh last comments uh, let's go so let's start with you shannon final words on this movie as we wrap up our spoiler review because i don't think there's much more uh, to say here i mean this this one
3: is going to be a guilty pleasure for me there, there are some films that i have down in in my little uh movie library that are not good movies um some movies i actively didn't like but because i liked a portion of it because i wanted to support a property I went and bought it. I got the Blu-ray for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen just uh, just a little further away. Um, and So, yeah, I am absolutely going to buy um, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom when it comes out because I want to have it. I want to have it next to the, the first Aquaman movie that I didn't love either in, in my little shelf here. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, is it OK to go and just have fun at a movie? Yes. Could this have been something else? yes but ultimately as a, as a lifelong aquaman fan i can't believe we got two aquaman movies and one of them made a billion dollars so <laughs> this is not you know this is not uh, this is not a movie for everybody it it is not it is not particularly good but i sure had a lot of fun in it so happy
1: holidays <laughs> there, there we go michael your final words on aquaman lost kingdom
2: Well, I will not be revisiting Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, but I will say this for the movie. It is the end of the DCEU, and for that, I will always like it just a little bit. Um, Well, Shannon will go and revisit these movies. I am the mayor of the Munchkin City singing Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead, Bring on Superman Legacy. Like I am ready, and I am going to watch all of the good DC stuff uh The Christopher Nolan Batman films, Donner's Superman, Batman the animated series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Superman and Lo, The Adventures of Superman and Lois. Like I will watch all of it mm. until we get to Superman Legacy, and I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, for sure.
1: Twenty twenty five, put a pin in it. We definitely will. Yeah, I'll say this. It to me, I I just felt bad watching the movie. I'm like, you could tell. That this was it, and it was over, and you're like, you know what? And not that they were going through the paces. It was more like it felt like you know you just you just feel bad watching someone try to do well and they keep failing at it, and that's what I felt when I was watching the movie. And by the end, uh, I just was like, okay, they did it, it's done, let's move on. I, we got through it together. Now let's move on. Um, I don't think I'll ever watch this again, um, and I don't put it in the pile with Rise of Skywalker, which I refuse to ever watch fully again. But I certainly think this is one that didn't quite live up to what I was hoping to see, which which I like, which although I didn't like the first one, I appreciated the expansive nature of James Wan's approach to this Aquaman world, really laying out these incredibly distinct kingdoms. The fact that we didn't get that here and it became a much smaller story to me was a bit of a detriment. And I would have liked a bigger story to be told, a more expansive story to be told. That I think could have been fun to explore. But in the end, you know, they did what they did to put the film out. Unfortunately, it's not going to make any money, I don't think, in the end. But uh, we will see. We will what see. $40 million,
2: million dollar opening weekend. Is that what it yeah. was?
1: But it's made $150 million globally. So it may end up being the film that makes the most uh, of the DC films over the last four films. So
2: we will see.
3: May I may I po- pose one question before sure. we leave? Sure. Looking at the DC films, the last four films that we're getting in the DC extended universe, how would you rank these four films? So with Black, Black Adam. Shaz- Bla- nope that was uh, that was a year before. So okay. Shazam, Shazam Two, Flash, Blue Beetle, Aquaman Two, Blue Beetle, Flash,
1: Aquaman Two. Because I fucking hated Shazam and Shazam at the bottom.
3: Like
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably right. Uh, mm. Flash more than Aquaman? So it's Blue Beetle for sure is the number one for me. Mm. Don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think it's a charming movie. Agreed. Uh, It's the one that I would like to watch the most out of the four. The Flash and Aquaman is tough because uh, it might go Aquaman The Flash for me. It might go Aquaman, The Flash for me, just because I think Flash is such a bigger swing and a bigger disappointment. And Aquaman, I kind of went in knowing what it was going to be, and it kind of was what it was. Like, I don't think it's good. But ultimately, if you force me to sit down and really say, dude, would you rather watch The Flash or Aquaman 2? Like, I might watch Aquaman 2, just to watch Patrick Wilson run that way with his arms. Uh, (laughs) And then Shazam is at the bottom just because it's just like, what even is that?
1: Yeah. What even is this? That'd be great. Shannon, what's your
2: ranking?
3: oh yeah number four is definitely shazam number three is definitely the flash um it's been a minute since i've seen blue beetle if i watch blue beetle again it'll probably creep up to number one but for right now blue beetle is number two and because i'm a diehard loyal fan aquaman in the lost kingdom that is the Uh, that is the dc movie of 2023
1: oh shannon come on (laughs) now that is a horrific element all right let's get out of here (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate you all madly. And, of course, we hope you had a wonderful holiday, however you chose to spend it. And, of course, look, keep watching us all week. We've got more reviews coming up. But we certainly uh, do want to wish you all, any of you all who are maybe traveling over the next few days and going to be tuning out from stuff to have a happy, ho- happy holidays and a safe uh, happy new year as well. But we appreciate you all hanging out with us here. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek
3: underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media and tell me that I'm wrong about this movie on Instagram, it's at Shannon the Geek Buddy on Twitter at Shannon underscore McClung. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. No, uh, Mr.
2: Mikey. Um, well, look, we like all kinds of opinions here, as you can tell, because Shannon thinks Aquaman 2 is the best DC movie of the year, and we're still going to hang out with him. Um, so whatever opinion you have, we welcome it. And here's what you can do for us while you're listening. You can smash that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, leave your comments below. If you're watching this video later on, let us know what you thought of Aquaman 2. If you're listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars and some comments that so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your uh, socials, and tell your friends to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. What are you laughing about? I'm laughing at
3: Amblin Soul said, "Guys, go give some constructive feedback to Shannon Socials." Then the next message, he apparently needs it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Cheryl! Uh, uh, Cheryl, you're a pill. Thank you very much, Cheryl. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, thanks for the lively chat, as we just experienced. Thanks for the stream labs and the super chats. We appreciate it madly uh and yeah as um where is it as uh, yeah as fantastic said hey momoa turn off the lights when you leave it's the <laughs> end of the dceu take care everybody we'll talk to you next time with a brand new spoiler review episode here from the geek buddies
3: <gasps> hey